Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Hey, everybody. Let me talk to you here for a second. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. Here, let me explain real quick. First off, it's free. That is the best word in the English language. Free. There's also a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and much, much more You can make money from your podcast as well with no minimum listenership. That's big. I mean, huge for brand new podcasters. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Just download the free Anchor app or go to anchorfm.com to get started. The been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. Welcome to the main event, Mark's Wrestling Podcast. I am former media personality, lifelong wrestling fan, and avid wrestling memorabilia collector, Troy. And with me, as always, is the walking wrestling encyclopedia, and also avid uh, wrestling memorabilia collector, Greg. What's up, man? What up? It is our second show, man. We're getting it in the can. Talking about this is one percent live. We can, yeah, yeah. We're also uh, speaking of uh, getting things in the can. We are officially on Spotify. Uh, we are on uh, Podchaser, Deezer. Uh, uh, we're on Spreaker. We're we're going to be on a bunch of different platforms. We're just kind of. I mean, last week was our first show. As of right now, we might actually be on 
on other platforms because it's been a week. Um, so, you know, check us out. I will keep everybody updated on Twitter and Instagram at, uh, I almost gave our old handle, um, at main event underscore marks. Check that out. Definitely give us a like and a follow for everything you see. And I will keep everybody updated on everything about the podcast, including where you can find us. So I hope you're subscribing to us already, Greg. Well, of course. you got to subscribe to yourself, because if you don't subscribe to yourself, who will? Is that like voting for yourself for Prom King? <laughs> oh, I didn't realize we could vote for ourselves. <laughs> uh, but I did. I mean, you know, I'm gonna knock it, but I did. <laughs> oh well, yeah, I, I, I did too. Uh, I'm asking all my friends too, and uh, all my family, and all that good stuff. And hopefully, this will help us get a good following. We're even—I I can't remember off the top of my head because I've never heard of the platform before. I apologize, but we're uh, going to soon be on a platform that's the biggest podcasting platform in all of India so we might get some Indian listeners so if, if we're already on that platform and we do have some listeners from India thank you we're going international and uh, pretty you know that, that that comes shortly after our our win of the international title at a uh, at a very exclusive tournament down in Rio de Janeiro wink wink <laughs> Been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. Uh, been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. But today, man, we're going to be talking about WCW Great American Bash 1996. Were you, I mean, you said you never broke from um, uh, from your wrestling fandom. So I, I assume you were, and, and this was a pretty hot time, 1996. I assume you were, you were still deep into it at this point. We, yeah, we ordered this pay-per-view, so. Oh, you. I have been the very first pay-per-view. My dad ever ordered. Wow. I mean, I watched them all in my buddy's house, but uh, this might be the first one we ever ordered. I remember vividly we were watching the, um, uh, they called it Main Event. That was their Sunday Night Heat. And yeah. we were watching it, I don't know, something like clicked and it sold them. Like, okay, we got to watch this. You know, little did I know how epic it would turn out. Yeah, it actually was. I po- kind of pulled this out of thin air because, um, for various reasons, and then you brought up more reasons to me that you remembered, and I went, ah, okay, well, I've never seen it before, kind of looking forward to seeing it, you know, whatever, and it, I I don't know, I wasn't expecting a bad show by any means, but it, I kind of looked at the lineup, and I was like, 
okay. I mean, it looks like it could be good. It looks like it, you know, it could be okay, you know, but I watched it and man, like even the matches that I thought, oh gosh, I, I don't really care about this turned out to be really damn good. So, I mean, not everything. Yeah, I mean, you're not going to, we're not going to be like every single match is a home run, but man, it's memorable. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Um, I'm very excited to cover this show. Lots of historic stuff. Think about where WCW was in 1996. We're actually going to cover some news and notes from, we're still in June of 1996. Uh, Last week, we covered June of 1998, getting into King of the Ring 1998. Not to toot our own horn or pat ourselves on the back, but I thought that was a really good show, good review. I think we covered everything from all angles. I was really proud of our very first episode, now in the archives, by the way. And, oh, by the way, we are soon to get a YouTube page, so keep uh, an eye out for that. Hopefully by the time this drops, we are officially on YouTube. So Greg has has been needling me about it, so I need to get off my keister and actually do it. Uh, but yeah, we will be on YouTube hopefully by now. Check us out at main event underscore marks for uh, for all the updates. But you ready to dive into the news and notes of the time, Greg? As ready as I can be. <laughs> all right. Well, you might remember this one because you and I have talked about it, you know, just in passing multiple times. A power outage at WWF's In Your House Beware of Dog pay per view this month. <laughs> Led to the strangest pay-per-view, one of the strangest pay-per-view shows ever. On oh, I'm sorry, it was in April, the end of April. It was on April 26th and 28th. And I'll explain why here in a moment if you don't know. Early in the show, the power went out for over an hour due to a bad storm in the area. The show was off the air on pay-per-view for 25 minutes before Jerry Lawler and Vince McMahon came on, telling viewers to stay tuned and saying that the matches were continuing in the arena and would air on the 28th replay. But the power stayed off so long that when it returned, they only had time for the main event, which was Shawn Michaels defending the WWF title against the British Bulldog. Because of uh, n- because none of the footage was able to be used due to lighting issues, they decided to just redo the matches live on Tuesday night in a different city for the replay. My God. I remember one thing I remember about the replay is they clearly tape it with like superstars or, you know, they tape, they use the set because you go back and watch the replay part. You can see the superstars set clearly right there. Right. That's what they're coming out of. Um, Oh, Lord. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I uh, think uh, one funny part about this is like this was supposed to be Ted DiBiase's last night in WWE. But then, obviously, he has to redo it. So he gets one more night. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, well, that's actually... uh, I'll I'll talk about that here in a second, too. But, uh, yeah, man, this this show was was weird. Bruce Pritchard talked about it on his podcast. He said the funniest thing was he's, like, obviously Vince McMahon is out at the, the announce table. So he can't exactly, like, lose his craft and... GDMF and blah, 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 you know, throwing crap. Sure he did. Yeah. Well, he said, uh, Bruce said he was in the back. He was in control of everything. Well, he was in charge of everything, not in control. (laughs) But he said he was running around. Him and Kevin Dunn were running around like their heads were on fire, like just losing their minds. And he can't communicate with Vince through the headset because of the power. 
And he said he runs out there, and it was during the strap match that you were just talking about, Austin and, and Salvio Vega. And he's sitting there talking to Vince. He said, Vince is just watching the match, sipping on a cup of coffee, super calm. And he's like, okay, we're going to do this, and if this happens, and this, and this, 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 this. And then he said, the only thing he said, he's like, the hell of a match, pal. God dang. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like... Okay, that's not something I would have expected him to say. I gotta go back and listen to this, by the way. I, didn't, I must have skipped this one. But yeah. that's not something I would expect him to say. <laughs> no, yeah. He said he was just watching. He said he wouldn't even make eye contact with, with Bruce the whole time. He's just watching the strap match, and he goes, hell of a match, pal. And he's like, um, <sighs> wow. <laughs> sure, I guess. He was like, you know that the power is out, right? And we're off pay-per-view. And he said Vince's only response is he was kind of just like, well, what the hell am I going to do? He's like, you know, go do your job. And it is like, I mean, that is the appropriate response, just not one you would expect from Vince. If, you know, from not, all the things after, we've ever heard. Yeah, not after what everyone said. Right. My yeah. only thought is like they weren't publicly traded yet. There's no board of directors. So I was like, who gives a damn? <laughs> That's yeah. my only thought. I mean. Right. Well. On the subject, on the Monday Night Raw, between the two pay-per-views, a change has been made on the Steve Austin-Savio Vega match that's, uh, stating that if Austin lost, Ted DiBiase would leave the WWF. The reason was because DiBiase put in his notice the other day, or, yeah, on a previous day, that he was leaving for WCW when his contract expired in August. So apparently that was not the stipulation going into the pay-per-view but it was a stipulation on the replay when they had to redo the match. So weird. I don't know. But yeah, uh, we would soon see odd trivia fact that, I mean, looking back, cause I wasn't watching wrestling at this time. I had not, I, you know, I hadn't started watching yet. I was five. So showing my age. Should uh, I watch when I was five loser? <laughs> uh, but yeah, sorry, so, I couldn't help it. <laughs> you're an ass. But anyway, um, I didn't know this until looking back at it. Um, the odd fact was that Ted DiBiase was the fourth man in the NWO. For some reason, I always thought it was Sean Waltman, a.k.a. Six. But no, he he was like the uh, the sixth man. Because I think it was, wasn't it DiBiase, then the Giant? Or, I and, think and it might have been the Giant first. Yeah, or well, no, 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 no. Giant came after because because remember, DiBiase popped up in the crowd and he was putting up like the five fingers, like there's a fifth man, whatever. And they're like, oh crap, he's part of it. And then he brought in the. Oh uh, well, go back and look at it. I always thought he was holding up because he was the fifth man. Okay, I guess that makes sense too. Yeah, no, because um, he he had established he was the fourth man, and then he kept holding up the five fingers. They're like, what does that mean? What is it? Does that does that mean there's a fifth? Anyway, back to uh, back to the stuff going on here in 90, 1996. The plan for Shawn Michaels, Davy Boy Smith, and Diana Hart's storyline was supposed to be a big reveal that Diana was trying to seduce Shawn, and he turned her down. But word is neither Diana or Davy Boy were comfortable with that, so that won't happen now. Did it? Wasn't that the conclusion of the story though? Didn't they actually go with it? In a way, they it was uh, Michaels was stalking her. Or- or not, he was hitting on her or something, not stalking her, but... Yeah. Jim Cornette actually revealed a nice little tidbit about this story, too. Uh, but Jim Cornette was working in the office at the time somewhat, and he said that, you know, um, uh, Owen Hart liked to do the ribs and stuff like that, 
and he said Stu Hart actually heard about the storyline and called up, and he thought it was Owen messing with him because Stu was like complaining <laughs> about the storyline. And so Jim was like, yeah, okay, whatever. And he was like, yeah, we're going to fend her over and, and sodomize her and all this other stuff, just like going off on this nasty whatever because he thought he would pop Owen. And then Owen walks into the room, and he's like – Oh, wow, oh. I like that got awkward. <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, crap. And then he like uh, – and then he was like, well, here's Bruce Pritchard. Got to go. Bye. And then he hands the phone over to Bruce, and Bruce doesn't know what just happened. He's like – Hey, Stu, what's going on? He's like, eh, what are you, some kind of pervert or something? Eh. <laughs> oh, let me get you Russo. Be right back. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin appears to be trying out a new finishing move on the episode of Raw, taped on June 17th. Austin pins Salvio Vega using a version of the Ace Crusher. And we all know that flopped and never went anywhere, and he never used it again. Well, well why, why would he use the Ace Crusher? Yeah, right. Uh, WWF sent out a memo to all wrestlers that, if, that they're going to start doing HIV testing due to pressure from some athletic their state athletic commissions. Odd. I mean, uh, that's random. Not a yeah. steroid test or, you know, make sure you're not doing crack. AIDS. Okay. <laughs> You'd think this would be. A I mean, not that that's CCW bad. They should. But should implement, right? Yeah. Not passing aspersions, but. And and I'm not making light of tragedy. Please don't think I am. But multiple former ECW wrestlers have either been hooked on heroin at one point or another or died from overdose. So, you know, it. and you can't tell me they were clean back in the 90s with all the stories going around that they were definitely not clean in the 90s. And they bled all over Kingdom Come. So, you know... Uh, speaking of people who make other people bleed, Ken Shamrock has a starring role in an upcoming film called Champions, where he plays, wait for it, a no-holds-barred shoot-fighting champion. Ooh, what a stretch. Yeah, I know. Right? He was really getting out of his comfort zone with that. Doesn't want to be pigeonholed. <laughs> uh, WWF reportedly came to terms on a deal with Ron Simmons, and he's expected to debut as a heel, I'm ever... Oh, man, I wonder how that's going to play out. Yeah, he's going to show up with see a that debut. helmet. <laughs> uh, Rad Radford, or Louis Piccoli, uh, was given an unconditional release, which means he can sign with WCW immediately if he wanted. Spoiler, he's going to ECW. Uh, oh, dude, not to bring up darkness, but you just mentioned people overdosing. Isn't that how he passed away? Um... I don't know if he died from drugs. There, there's, I think he did, but I can't. I don't. I can't remember if that's a rumor or if it's real because there was a lot of stuff going around. It's like, no, 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 he died of a heart attack or something like that, which could be drug related. I don't know, but there's a lot of word that he was the un unofficial member of the clique because he wrestled in Mexico a lot and he was basically their drug mule. But again, I emphasize this is just a rumor. Uh, you say he was a member of the clique? An unofficial member of the clique. Well, because, that explains why when he went to WCW, he was like Scott Hall's lackey. Yeah, he carried his bags and his weed. So there you go. Allegedly. Just I, I don't consider weed a drug, to be fair, but I hear Well, that. yeah. Here's, here's uh, an interesting headline for you. A tag team called the Hardy Brothers, Matt and Chip Hardy. Not sure if it was Jeff 
going by Chip or if Uncle Dave just got bad info, which would be a first. Uh, they got a tryout <laughs> match at the latest Raw tapings. So also a guy named James Arndt working a tryout match looked uh, looked pretty good, allegedly. He later became Joey Abs from the Mean Street Posse. Uh, if I remember right, by the way, the Hardy Boys would be the guys holding the doors open at King of the Ring when guys came out. Uh, yeah, they yeah, they were. I remember that. So, I think they were only like 16 at the time or something like that. Well, it was this year, so. Yeah. That's because they were lied. They lied about their age and they showed like fake IDs or something like that so they could get a tryout. Oh, so they're the ones who made Mass Transit do that. <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> Uh, Dwayne Johnson debuted under the name Flex Kavana at the latest USWA show, teaming with Brian Christopher in a match against Jerry Lawler and Bill Dundee. Kavana has only had about a half a dozen matches, but word is that he showed a lot of potential. Yeah, probably won't pay off. Yeah, that guy ain't going nowhere. Finally, getting to the WCW portion here before we move on to the event itself, Slamboree's buy rate was way down from... Last month's uncensored pay-per-view, which was once again showing that Hulk Hogan is the one who pops WCW's big buy rates. Who could have predicted that? Yeah, I mean, I remember that event just sucking. Slamboree. Yeah. I didn't... That was another one I didn't watch. I didn't watch a lot of WCW during this era. This show, by the way, does not have Hulk Hogan on it. Just putting that out there. But he will be on Bash to the Beach the next This is the last one for a while. And then very many in 97 will not have him on there, despite being the champion. <laughs> I thought it was very weird that, you know, because he was only on, he was on a deal to only work so many shows per year and so many pay-per-views, so they were used him sparingly. But why did they not have him on Starcade? Right, which, which Starcade? 1995. Uh, he wasn't on that one? No. You remember that one was the one with, like, the international tournament or whatever? I think Sting won a big Oh, that was that one. one. Yeah. I think that's why, because it was not, like, a WCW event. It was a co-main, co-thing. And I, yeah. My only guess is they're not going to have Hogan on there to lose, and they didn't. <laughs> I don't. My thing was, like, they could have had him in, like, a special attraction match or something like that. But I, don't know, I was like, dude, this is. Yeah, but isn't that redundant? <laughs> I mean, yeah, but it's like, uh, that's 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 my thing. That was a weak card, too. I'm like, I think that was one of the worst selling Starcades ever. We might have to standpoint. go back and talk about this another time. But if you really think about it, Starcade was not as major as it was supposed to be in like the last five or six years. Yeah, well, because Eric Bischoff himself said um, he didn't see. He didn't see um, Starcade as their big tent pole event. I feel like, if weird. anything, in his time, Halloween Havoc was. Yeah, exactly. They they asked because uh, uh, Conrad asked him. He's like, okay, so uh, what was your tent pole event in your in your opinion then? And he had said um, Halloween Havoc. And then he asked Tony Schiavone. He said, in your opinion, what was your big event of the year? And Tony said, oh, Halloween Havoc. It's like, yeah, okay, it's so this like. Is just, yeah, it's like, so this is just a thing with you guys? Like, and he was like, why was it not Starcade? And he's like, eh, I don't know. I just never really felt like it was a big thing. It's like, that was the first. <laughs> what the hell? Like, they were the first. While Vince McMahon 
uh, a lot of people don't know this. Vince McMahon was the first to do wrestling on pay-per-view, but WCW, or NWA rather, was the first to do wrestling on closed circuit with Starcade. So a lot of people don't don't realize that. Wrapping up here, the Road Warriors have quit WCW. They heard how much Scott Hall and Kevin Nash are getting paid, and they felt that they should be making the same. Look, I love the Road Warriors, but mm, I don't know about that one. We're about eight years past them being, like, the guys. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Kind of sad, but... Uh, WCW wanted the great Muta to put over Diamond Dallas Page at this pay-per-view we're talking about here, but New Japan Pro Wrestling saw Page as a prelim wrestler, and so they refused to send Muta over to work the show. Oi, how things would change in a couple of years, eh? Yep. <laughs> uh, also, this was the month that Brian Pillman signed a three-year contract with the WWF. And There's going to be some mentions of that in the show, but we'll get to <laughs> Well, also, Pillman made his first wrestling appearance since his big car wreck that injured him. He was at an ECW show, and he showed up in a wheelchair, and he got into an altercation with Mikey Whipwreck, and he cut a promo insulting ECW and other wrestlers. He also, apparently, when he was talking about the gangsters, dropped the N-word. Allegedly, he dropped the N-word while talking about the rap group NWA, but... Okay, did New Jack say this? Uh, yeah, New Jack said it, but Paul Heyman kind of confirmed it. I'm just saying because New Jack has said that about like a hundred guys. I know. Yeah, if you go, if anybody goes and listen, watches uh, New Jack's um, Dark Side of the Ring episode, allegedly, according to him, everybody was racist and everybody dropped the N word on him. So yeah, I'm not saying yeah. some people didn't. I'm just saying the sheer amount of people he says did is hard to believe. Well, apparently he this was all true because. New Jack went absolutely nuts. He confronted Pillman backstage, and Heyman eventually weighed in on it and said that uh, basically saying that was a mistake, but New Jack reacting the way he did was also a mistake. So um, just to, just a couple more notes. Uh, Eric Bischoff has offered Chris Jericho a full-time contract, so we're soon to see Jericho in the WCW. Scott Hall debuted on Monday Nitro to kick off June. Kevin Nash was not far behind him. We'll see them both on this show. And also, the WWF sent a cease and desist letter to them because Razor, or uh, Scott Hall rather, was doing the Razor mannerisms, still looking like Razor. He even, during his promo on this show, said, cut them up. Or was it carve them up? I forget. Carve them up, yeah. Carve them up, yeah. So he said that, and so they claim that they're trying to benefit off of the WCW or WWF trademarks. So, and this would be upheld in court, by the way. Also, we would soon see the fake razor, razor and fake diesel. So, yeah. And and I didn't know this part. During this lawsuit, they were threatening to withhold Scott Hall and Kevin Nash's uh, royalty checks until this this was all figured out. Man, just sticking it to them right out the door. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we kind of screw them over in a way, so I get it. Yeah. You'll never believe it. I mean, I hardly could. Kohl's has epic deals right now, and they're going to make for an epic 4th of July. I got the cutest $6.99 Americana tees. 
$19.99 Tech Gear shorts for me, and Toastmaster kitchen gadgets for less than $10. I even got Kohl's cash and picked up my order in less than an hour. So yeah, cue the fireworks, because these savings are definitely worth celebrating. Select style sale ends July 4th. Some exclusions apply. See store or Kohl's.com for details. <sighs> The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. All right, now finally, we're on to the pay-per-view. Lots to talk about here. It's the Great American Bash 1996 from June 16th, 1996. Took place at the Royal Farms Arena in Baltimore, Maryland with with an attendance of 9,000 exactly. I think that's a sellout for this arena. Did a buy rate of 0.48. It had 170,000 buys on the pay-per-view. So, not anywhere near about you know what it did for um great Amer- or for bash of the beach but it it sold more than slamboree only had 155,000 this had 170 bash of the beach did 250,000 so hogan equals buys brother that works for me brother <laughs> Uh, a short little promo opens the show over some very 80s-style promo music. My I first note that. about that was it felt like Saturday Night's main event. Yeah, it was real weird. Even Bobby Heenan, Lex Luger, and then a giant man. So, there you go. Uh, my favorite, I, I had to take a note from this because it was so stupid. The Giants promos were laughable. He said, Lex Luger, don't bother looking up the definition of the giant in the dictionary because you're going to feel it firsthand from a choke slam. And then he chokes himself and laughs because he's a dirty boy and he likes it rough. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Here's, like, why would you look up the definition of giant in the dictionary? That's my first question with this. Uh, just, I don't know. You're dumb. <laughs> you're poor. Well, what? Lex Luger did lose a battle to a shirt one time, so there's that. Uh, the national that was anthem. A close fight, though. <laughs> yes, it was. The national anthem follows before we head over to commentary and see Tony Schiavone and Dusty Rhodes. Dusty is wearing a red leather coat that he didn't take off for a solid three years in the 1990s. Many, many red cows had to die for that coat. <laughs> that was a note I made too. It was like, man, Tony Schiavone shows up in like a, a tuxedo-like suit. And yeah. Dusty is like wearing like a t-shirt, jeans, and a red leather jacket. Yeah, a sleeveless. Which one of them missed the memo? Hey, Dusty's like, baby, I'm just gonna show up and whatever I want to wear. Okay, daddy, that tuxedo for somebody else, baby. We're gonna leave you right where you at. <laughs> also, oh, I man. think I think we should mention it was Craig Pittman holding the flag. By the way, I think they ran out of stuff for him. <laughs> They're like, hey, you mind being the flag bearer? We'll pay you. Well, I think he was like a legit soldier. So, I mean, that made sense. But like, right. instead of wrestling, though, that's what he's doing. I mean, not that that's bad, but he should have been wrestling, too. I... <laughs> right. Yeah. It's kind of by 96. They're like, all right, we're done with you. <laughs> uh, I didn't mention this in the notes because um, 
they mentioned it on the pay-per-view. So uh, Tony Schiavone announced that Dick Murdoch passed away this month. And this was especially prudent to because Dusty Rhodes is his former tag team partner. So, you know, Dusty kind of eulogized him a little bit. But then, like, Dusty would like said like a couple words about him. And then then he went right into pumping up the pay-per-view. I'm like, dang, you're a salesman all the way, buddy. Well, he did mention that Dick Murdoch would love the pay-per-view. So I made sure to include him. So it was a nice transition. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, something that I didn't love, our first match of the night, Fire and Ice <laughs> versus the Steiner Brothers. The winners will become the number one contenders <sighs> for the tag team titles. This went for ten and a half minutes. I said it was a hard-hitting match. Um, I didn't hate it at first, even with a few blown spots. At one point, Norton hits Steiner or Scott Steiner with a shoulder breaker and then goes for a Fujiwara armbar. Then Rick comes in and starts like kicking him repeatedly in the head, and Norton just no-sells it. Uh, best spot of the match, in my opinion. More and more blown spots, a ton of false finishes, including the Steiners hitting their tag team finisher for a near fall, which blew my mind. On that, by the way, I noticed when they lifted, uh, I think it was Norton they had up, right? Yeah. They put Norton up for it. Like, I I straight sitting there on one knee just watching it instead of trying to stop it. And, like, he's literally, like, two feet away. I'm like, dude. Well, yeah, there was one point where Norton just watches one of the Steiners run by him and break up a pin, and he didn't even move to, like, he, he just watched him the whole time. I'm like, um, stop him? I mean, was but, were they gassing or what? I don't know. The finish of the match was Scott goes, sends Norton into the ropes. He goes for a Frankensteiner, and Norton just kind of, like, flops on his face, and it was horrible. Oh, thank Scott, God it's over. But Scott still pins him for the win. I'm like, he just fell over onto his side. <laughs> Uncle Dave, uh, Uncle Dave Meltzer gave the three stars. I gave it two. I gave it two as well. I I thought it was uh, I thought it dragged, but I, if you go back and watch it, the fans are heavily into it. So uh, I think Uncle Dave gave it three stars because uh, you know one of the men in the match was super popular in Tokyo Dome. So you know, got to give some love to Scott Flash Norton. That's an extra star if I've ever seen it. Hell yeah! Uh, mean Gene Okerlund is in the back interviewing Kevin Sullivan and Jimmy Hart. He calls Jimmy Hart a Nathan Lane wannabe. <laughs> what the hell? Uh, the promo basically consisted of, listen, Daddy, the pills are starting to kick in, Daddy. Woohoo! That was, that was Jimmy Hart's part. You know, he, uh, uh, he, he, he uh, decided he wasn't going to hold Hogan's weed anymore. He was just going to smoke it all himself. And then Sullivan was either describing how he was going to beat up Chris Benoit later tonight, or he was describing a really kinky fantasy he had. I couldn't tell. <laughs> uh, my take, my first takeaway from this is, you know, he is not even trying to hide the fact he's reading off, off a teleprompter. He is looking at the floor. The Yeah. He was looking at the floor the entire damn time. <laughs> I couldn't tell if he was reading off something or if that, cause because his eyes always did weird stuff during his promos. Well, yeah, but his head was clearly down. He was, like, looking at, like, the floor. Or, yeah. like, the bottom of, like, the camera tripod or something. <laughs> yeah, that's, um... It was fun. brutal. Was it just me, by the way? Or did Sullivan look like he got in some pretty good shape here? Yeah, it wasn't, like, flabby like he used to. Yeah, he had some... He almost had abs. 
I don't know if that was a revenge body trying to show uh, Nancy. It's like, hey, look what you left. But <laughs> I don't know. Up next, by the way, we get uh, Conan defending the U.S. title against El Gato. El Gato looks like somebody's Uncle Chewie wanted to cosplay as Tiger Mask. <laughs> uh, it's Conan's in full lucha mode here, by the way. <laughs> oh, yeah. He comes out in like a like a half mask kind of thing that he takes, like a Vader mask almost, that he takes off before the match. El Gato, by the way, is actually Pat Tanaka under a hood. He'll be in WCW as like a hundred different things for like the next couple of years. <laughs> yeah, they were... Why was that always that they were like, crap, we need something for Pat Tanaka. Put him in a mask. Like, and then they switched him back and forth. It's like one minute he's Japanese, one minute he, like, here he's Mexican. It's like, what? what is Pat Tanaka? I assume he's Japanese. He also, he is Japanese. He also yeah. debuted Goldberg's theme. <laughs> yeah, that's a weird factoid. Google it, by the way, if you guys want to know. That was, that theme was was his in WCW before it was Goldberg's, and that's um, something we can never, ever forget. Uh, hashtag never forget. But uh, the match was okay, not terrible. Conan dumps Gato off the top and then pins him with a flip-over uh, jackknife cover to retain the title. Uncle Dave and I... Was that like an Dave. Alabama slam thing, too? Uh, I think I think so, Yeah. And then he just kind of like flips over with the legs for the pin. I mean, it was it was okay. The match was you know not terrible, but who gave a damn about El Gato? Me and Uncle Dave both gave it uh, two stars. What do you say? I went a little higher. I went three because I thought it was a really fun match. It and was. it also reminded me of how good Conan really is. You forget that at times. Yeah, Conan really kind of he joined the NWO and kind of you know. Gave up. Well, hold on. You forget, don't forget about the pit stop he makes with the Dungeon of Doom. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> Dungeon of Doom for life, Vato. I don't understand that whole thing. He joins them, but he joins them as like a hardcore cholo. And not like a dark character <laughs> or something. Like, what the hell? Yeah. That oh, was, man. Um, unique. Well, remember, Big wasn't Big Bubba part of the dungeon? Yeah, but he definitely he started getting a little. You'll see it in this actually. It gets a little bit darker. Like he comes out in this one, like, you know, not to get ahead, but he comes out in this one like a trench coat. It looks like a, like he's trying to be like a little goth, maybe like on the borderline. Well, he yeah, he's definitely darker, but he looks like a biker. Like why why, why right. does the Dungeon of Doom want a motorcycle? <laughs> like somebody who would show up at Sturgis, basically. For the same reason they want a cholo. I don't know. Just they want to be. They want to be harder. I guess I don't know. Uh, mean Gene Okerlund interviews Sting backstage about his upcoming match against Lord Steven Regal. Both men talk about how Regal is sissy and prissy, and Sting comes really close, in my opinion, to making a bunch of anti-English gay jokes. Yeah, I was like, I was like, is he put? It's like it sounds like he's getting almost like borderline homophobic here. Can't tell, but. And then he, yeah, because he was like, I don't know if that's how they grow men over there in England, but right here in America, we grow men different and whatever. And it's like, um, <laughs> and he like stops short of, he was like, well, I can't say this on TV, Gene, you take it for a minute. Yeah, he tells Gene to say it. <laughs> you say it. Uh, no. Well, and then at the end, uh, Sting claims that he's going to straighten Regal out. My first so, takeaway from this, by the way, is this is before... He was reborn, so, <laughs> I <Yeah>. mean, 
I I don't know, man. But yeah, so it was it was funny that he cut the promo that way and then said he was going to straighten him out. I'm like, hmm, don't know what that means. If it's innuendo, but whatever. Uh, now we get Diamond Dallas Page taking on Marcus Alexander Effing Bagwell. Nine minutes, 39 seconds. It's for the Lord of the Ring. Uh, that's the yeah, ring you win at Battle Bowl, right? Or am I wrong? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, clearly, uh, it was done in May, like the previous month. So clearly a jab at King of the Ring. You know, I mean, yeah. not too subtle, but, you know. Yeah, well... Well, who who's the winner and who's the loser here, Greg? Because one gets a ring, and then one has to dress has to cosplay like they're on Game of Thrones. <laughs> hey, but let's be so, fair here. Nineteen ninety six, that Lord of the Ring was DDP, and look what he went to do. Ninety six, the King of the Ring was Austin. Look what he went to do. So that's arguably yeah. the best year ever. So yeah, yeah right. Uh, I would say one of the last matches where Bagwell looked really good. Yeah. I, Decent. Oh, hold know. on. Who's in there with him? Yeah, but I'm just... I don't care what says. I still feel like DDP is not getting enough credit for how good he is. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, well, the action start, starts hot and keeps up a decent pace throughout. DDP finally hits a diamond cutter for the win. Uncle Dave gave it two and a half stars. I gave it an even two. I gave it two as well. Yeah. I thought it was, it was, I thought it was fun. I'm not going to say it was good, but it was not like a snooze fest. Right, it's the best Mark I can it, say. When he was Mark, I mean, when he was buff, he was fine. The stuff, yeah, he was he was he was fine. But I think when he was Marcus Alexander Bagwell, I feel like he 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 was pretty decent. You feel the same? Yeah, I feel it. This is gonna sound weird, but I think he worked better with Riggs. Yeah, who went on to do absolutely nothing. And I'm not saying that like you and I... What are you talking about? He went on to the flock and he had that epic view with RVD and ECW. What the hell are you talking about? Oh, well. (laughs) Raven took his eye. (laughs) That was something Raven actually said. um, He didn't... He actually kind of fought against Riggs a little bit being in the flock, not because of Riggs himself, but he said he didn't want any quote-unquote retreads in the flock. Uh. Up next, man, is by far uh, the match of the night. Dean Malenko defends his cruiserweight title against the debuting Rey Mysterio Jr. They get plenty of time, 17 minutes, 50 50 seconds. As I said, this is Rey's WCW debut, and a hell of a debut it was. Mike Tanay is on commentary for this, of course, because he's the foreign star analyst. Is Is that politically incorrect to call them foreign stars? I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. He's don't, not from America. I'm, well, I don't he is American. I think so. How about international? How about international stars? That's what they call them. Yeah, there, there you go. He was international. I mean, Mike can I just say, by the way, if if Shawn Michaels and 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 Bret Hart didn't happen, this would be the match of the year. Oh yeah, this this <laughs> this was really good. Um, in the finale, Mysterio hits a couple of Frankensteiners, but the third time, Malenko catches him and power bombs him pretty hard, and he uses the ropes for leverage to pin him and retain the cruiserweight title. Uncle Dave gave it four stars. I gave it three and a half. What say you? Maybe it's just me, but I thought this match was damn near perfect. I said it was a solid five. I thought I... this was epic, man. I enjoyed, and I can't name off the top of my head what they were, but I, I mean... Not saying this wasn't great and I didn't enjoy it because I did. 
Um, I feel like they had some better matches later on, maybe. But oh, definitely. But you have to take into account, this is his first time here. It's a huge showcase. Malenko was in full-on, just great mode. Oh, yeah. I, I said fantastic. This, I said it was nonstop action. I felt like it never stopped, like, from the beginning. Like, it started out, like, just hot, never stopped. Right. Well, and Malenko doesn't get the credit he deserves, mostly because, I mean... His hot his hot run was really in WCW. By the time he got to WWE, he didn't really do much, and he didn't have the right opponents to work with most of the time. Um, but yeah, Malenko deserves more credit than he gets, I think. And one criticism for Ray was that he was still kind of he was fresh off of his his you know stuff in Mexico and ECW, so he was still in lucha mode where you know it's like move move move, very little selling. You know what I mean? Yeah, but like I give points for that because that's how it is. Like you know, right? Yeah. Uh, and I thought yeah, like I, Malenko countering with like all of his technical stuff. I thought this was a masterpiece. Oh, it was. These two, I I think these two were like the perfect opponents for one another. They always made magic in the ring together. Uh, I think um, when you ask who the greatest cruiserweight of all time is, it's one of these two, easily. I would give it to Ray. Not like 10 out of 10 times. Somebody who did not make magic up next was Lex Luger. <laughs> he is with me and Gene Okerlund getting interviewed for his match. I will say, I think he cut one of the better promos I've ever heard from him right here. He says that the giant thinks he's invincible, which is in Lex's favor, because when men think they're invincible, they make mistakes. I thought that was a no, that's a good line. Uh, my thing here is like he kept going high pitch, low pitch. I, I at times I had to turn up the TV to hear what he was saying. I feel like he kept dipping out. Yeah, that was that was my thing with Macho Man promos because Macho Man would start out like this, and then he started yelling. I'm yeah, like, exactly. But uh, Lex says that he's got one belt around his one uh, around his waist. He's got another belt on his shoulder, and God willing, after tonight, he'll have another belt over the other shoulder. And then Gene says, I'm going to have a belt after all this is over. <laughs> um, I want to also point out, by the way, his face turn came, I feel like it came out from out of nowhere. Uh, like he was in the Dungeon of Doom, Jimmy Hart was his manager, then he wasn't, so now he's feuding uh, with yeah. him. And, I mean, I know yeah, how it happened, like, like Sting kind of turned him good, but like, it felt like it just came out of nowhere. Yeah, it was... What it was, man. That was WCW for you. And that was a lot of Luger's career, I feel. It was like, face, heel, face, heel. Like, wait, wait, wait what? Am I supposed to cheer for you now? Well, I mean, they had to... He would stay face <laughs> until the finger poke of doom, by the way. Well, he was... Um, he was a face, but at the same time, it was like, should we be cheering this guy here in uh, 1990? Well, actually, later this year, because uh, during like the War Games time, because of how he was treating Sting, you remember? Because yeah. like he's like distrusting of Sting, and then Sting proves that you know he was like Sting is like, well, I had your back this whole time, and you couldn't believe me when I told you something, and blah blah blah. And then he's like crawling on his knees. He's like, please, Sting, forgive me. Like so, Luger just kind of proved to be <laughs> Luger proved to be kind of an ass and a, not a good friend. But we'll get to all that later in the night as well. Up next is by far and away the worst match of the night. Big Bubba Rogers with Jimmy Hart, because they're still part of the Dungeon of Doom, 
taking on John Tenta. The only shining light from this match was it was only five minutes, 24 seconds. So my first God. note, and this is what we just said. First of all, my like, oh, good Lord, the Dungeon of Doom. My second note was, <laughs> why the hell is uh, Big Bubba looking like a goth biker? <laughs> yeah, he like I said, man, he looked like he came straight out of Sturgis. <laughs> but apparently the Dungeon of Doom had kicked the shark, now just going by John Tenta, out of the group for accepting a match against stablemate The Giant. And then, for some reason, the biker-looking dude, Big Bubba, decided he's a barber now, and he cut off half of Tenta's hair. But, like, half of his hair... They had a barber in the damn stable! (laughs) Uh, No, Greg, you can't have him cut the hair, because then they could get sued. I don't know, this is stupid. So freaking dumb. But... Check this note out. He cut half of his hair. He perfectly shaved one half of his skullet off. And Tenta left it that way. It's he has like, like a long promo on Nitro. says he's going to leave it to remind himself of why he hates them and all that. You're going to walk around looking like a freak. <laughs> because you need a reminder of why you hate someone. He was just you in can... the Dungeon of Doom. Is this really a stretch? Well, can't, can't you just look in the mirror at your bald head and be like, I had to shave my head because of that a-hole. But no! No, because that wouldn't make sense, you idiot! Oh, yeah, gosh, what am I thinking? This is a Dungeon of Doom we're talking about. Where am I? There are no Hulkamaniacs here! Gosh. Uh, the match ends with Jimmy Hart on the apron with his back to the action. Bubba dives off the ropes into a power, gets caught into a power slam by Tenta, who pins Bubba. Jimmy thinks that Bubba won, and then he climbs in the ring without even paying attention. So Tenta grabs him, and he threatens to cut his hair off. That uh, that sweet, sweet Memphis mullet, baby. <laughs> uh, but Bubba goes after Tenta. He misses, and he basically love taps Jimmy Hart, and, and Hart yeah. like, flops out of the ring. <laughs> <laughs> like goes in like the third row after getting like bumped. <laughs> He's like, like, baby, I already bumped around in Memphis in the WWF, baby. Don't 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 hit me too hard, baby. If you hit me too hard, Hulk Hogan's weed will fall out of my pocket, baby. <laughs> um, but okay, so this is the grand finale. Tenta grabs oh, Bubba God. by the beard. He's got the shears in one hand, and he cuts Bubba's beard, and then Bubba sells it like he's been shot. Yeah. I, first thing I caught too, I'm like. <laughs> I go back and watch it. I had I actually wound it and watched it. I'm like, what what was preventing him from like getting away and not getting cut? He literally grabbed the hold his beard is like not even that big. And right. like he was hold, like Tenta's holding it. And like for some reason that means Bubba can't get away and he has to have his hands in the air going, What are you doing? What are you doing? Instead of like hitting him to fight him off. He basically trimmed his beard. He's acting like he's, you know, one of the Duck Dynasty guys, and his beard is iconic. Like, and then the way he sells it, he, like, flops on the ground like he's just been super kicked or something. Like, what the hell? Yeah. None of this made sense. It was stupid. Uncle Dave and I both gave it one star just for effort. I don't believe in giving zero stars, so I gave it one, too, but if... I'll give zero stars if it really deserves it, but there was at least something going on in here, so... Yeah, I mean, the match was fine for these two being in it. Don't be so liberal with that word, match, please. (laughs) 
this encounter was fine <laughs> for who was in it. This segment that had a referee and a three count was fine. Yeah. Well, something else that was a uh, surprisingly pretty fine. Not this promo, but the but the uh, subsequent match afterwards. Mean Gene is backstage with Steve and Deborah McMichael and Kevin and Tara Green. Man, I've got some notes <laughs> on Kevin Green later on. Man, I got I just got to fill yeah. you in. But uh, the men <laughs> delivered a super shouty promo, and I thought that they were going to push their wives aside and just make out at one point. <laughs> My first note, I swear, is why the hell must they? Why? Why do they have to yell? Why can't they speak? Why is everything uh, like ten decibels higher? Because they're football uh, players, Greg. That's what they do. But then the king of shouty promos, Macho Man, comes onto the set and says that the smell of victory is in the air and that he is the winning team. Then Mean Gene says that this is. I always got to write down some of these lines from Mean Gene. He says that. Woman and Elizabeth, who are going to be on the opposite sides of the match, have been known to have, quote, a trick or two up their sleeves or elsewhere. Where's or yeah. elsewhere? I don't want to know. That's that's an innuendo if I've ever heard it. Uh, yeah. uh, Gene, dirty old man. <laughs> so this next match uh, was one of my favorites of the entire night, and I expected absolutely nothing from it, so it blew all my expectations away. It was Chris Benoit versus Kevin Sullivan with Jimmy Hart. Again, he's... If you listen to last week's episode where I said China was freaking everywhere, Jimmy Hart was freaking everywhere in the show. Well, that just goes to show you how hot the Dungeon of Doom is, man. They're in, like, every segment, man. It's it's an amazing group. Yeah, even Nash said it, remember? That's what WWE had to compete with, man, was that Dungeon of Doom angle, which was on fire. Oh, yeah, man. (laughs) But this was a Falls Count Anywhere match. It was just shy of 10 minutes. Uh, They crammed a lot into 10 minutes, man. Uh, I I thoroughly enjoyed this match for what it was. Oh, yeah. And you couldn't tell, by the way, was it just me or did you notice this? I couldn't tell if they were pulling their punches at all or if they were really just beating the crap out of each other. I, I want to say I heard um, on a Bischoff podcast, he said that they really didn't do that because he said no matter what happened, Sullivan was very professional. So take that for what it's worth. But Well, uh, like they were just wailing on each other. And then when Chris would chop, because the thing is, when you chop, you aim with your chops to hit the same spot kind of every time. But he was just wildly flailing his arms and he was like chopping him in the gut a few times. And I'm like, dang, man. They brawled into the men's restroom, and Dusty Rhodes, like, freaked out, by the way. They they brawled all over the arena, up through the fans, into the men's restroom. For some reason, Dusty Rhodes freaked out laughing because a woman came in yeah. to watch. They also proved in a spot where um, neither man could go through a table, or, or they, they proved that, like, WCW never gimmicked their damn tables. Because both of them got thrown into a table and it wouldn't break. So that just seemed to be a common theme with WCW is their tables never broke. They never gimmicked. I literally just watched that Sting Lost tape uh, thing on the network and he wrestles Big Bubba. Yeah. And like the table, like, yeah, it's like a hard table. They're just like beating the hell out of each other with it and landing on it and throwing each other. Well, there was a Nitro that you and I watched where, like, Raven's Flock came out to attack somebody, 
and they slammed the dude into a table a million times, and then Saturn, like, did a, like, a suicide dive on top of it and everything, and, like, they, they tried, like, three, four times to break the damn thing. I'm like, dang, dude, just gimmick it. Or no, you buy flimsier tables. But uh, in the end of the match, the men set up the table across the top rope, so it did play into the end of the match. Benoit hit a superplex off the top of the table and gets the pinfall win. I thought it was pretty cool. The crowd erupted for this. After the match, Benoit beats on Kevin Sullivan, and then Jimmy Hart calls for Arn Anderson, who has apparently been showing friendship to Kevin Sullivan lately, so they don't know where his alliances lie. And Arn yeah. comes out. Arn comes out. He pulls Benoit off of Sullivan and kind of tries to calm him down. And then he turns no, he, no, he rips him off and throws him. Yeah, that's the part that, that got me when I was watching. Oh well, I know what side he's on. I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm going back to when I first watched it. But yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. If you're thinking that now, you're like, wait a minute, I forgot how this yeah. went. <laughs> but he rips him off. He's like pointing in his face. He's like back off, and then bolt, and then he turns around and boots him in the gut. It, Sullivan, I mean, and then both Benoit and Anderson beat the crap out of the Taskmaster until the dreaded Dungeon of Doom runs in and chases him off. You got a Max Muscle sighting, by the way, who I forgot was in the Dungeon of Doom. Who was it? Then we get a Max Muscle sighting. Oh, my God. I I didn't know he was in there. I didn't even notice. I forgot he was in there, too. I saw him like, what the hell? I just threw any any, oddity in here. Yep, basically. Uh, former bodyguard for uh, DDP, by the way, if you want to know who Max Muscle is. Uncle Dave gave this four stars. I gave it three and a half. What say you? I said solid three. I um, I think this is the first time ever, by the way. I have to go back and look. But the first time ever like a, ma- a fight ever went into a bathroom on pro wrestling. Yeah. I and- feel like it, I definitely the first time I've seen it. I can tell you that, but. And Dusty and Tony were freaking out. He's gonna go into the commode. He's gonna go into the commode. <laughs> like what? The Tony's hell? laughing, by the way, the whole time. <laughs> yep. <laughs> this was great. What? Oh, <laughs> one more note on it too. Um, I don't know if the if it was the the point of the end was to turn the horseman face. Not to jump ahead. You'll see. Obviously, it's not. But at the time, I'm yeah. thinking they're going to be good because they're few with the dungeon now, who are clearly the heels. Yeah, and we don't know what's coming with the NWO, by the way. Uh, but like, right. that's what it looked like to me at the end of this match. Like, oh, the Horsemen are good guys now. Yeah. Well. Yeah, so going back, showing how old I was at the time, I called them good guys. But, <laughs> but that's like was my thinking because that's what it looked like. Like, oh, okay, they're all together. So. Yeah. Well. That's about to be proven wrong here in a minute. It's almost like, a, this is almost to me, it was like a WrestleMania 15 thing with Triple H. Like, China turned on Kane, but then later they would both turn on X-Pac. So, yeah, like, weird. I just didn't know what was going on until, like, the big reveal at the end. So, Yeah, basically. Uh, a lovely WrestleMania 15. We'll get to that some other time. <laughs> but, uh, Will we? <laughs> unfortunately. Mean Gene Oakland is backstage with Miss Elizabeth and Woman. The, uh, the four horsemen then come into frame, and Arn says that Benoit earned his stripes, and the horsemen are prepared for war with the Dungeon of Doom. Flair cuts a really shouty promo. And then Bobby the Brain Heenan gives a promo that only he can. Some good stuff here. And then Flair says, there are a lot of things that the Macho Man wishes he could do that he can't do anymore. Right, Liz? <laughs> good grief. 
Up next was a match that kind of it didn't I, it didn't suck, but man, I was bored with it. I forgot to write down the time how long it was, but it seemed like an eternity. Sting versus Lord Steven Regal. Uh, during this match, Tony Schiavone spends about three minutes just sucking off WCW, saying that they're the envy of the world. And I'm not yeah. uh, I'm not even joking here. And this was during a rest hold, by the way. At the end of a fairly boring match, Sting makes a fiery comeback into a scorpion deathlock, making Regal tap out. Uncle Dave really loved this one. He gave it three and a half stars. I gave it two and a half average. I gave it two. Uh, my notes were uh, it was decent but forgettable. My question, my thing I had on there was uh, the one thing I noted. I'm like, so one tag champion is main eventing the show, the other tag champs doing this. <laughs> Yeah, it was, uh, I don't know. I expected, because I was like, oh, Sting and Regal. I love both of those guys. This is going to be great. It was 16 and a half minutes, by the way. I just looked it up. Ow, uh, that was a lot, a lot of time. Can we was, take into account who the two guys were talking about? This match should have been amazing. I know. That's why I say I was like huge, a huge fan of both these guys. And I just like, meh. Yeah. Uh, after this, right before the, uh, the the big tag match, we get a really corny mid-90s style commercial for Bash the Beach 1996. Yeah. Corny now, but it was probably like the thing cool. at the time. Like, yeah, it was probably cool back then. It's on, it's on par with, with Brock Lesnar F5-ing a killer whale. Do you remember that? I do. Was that 02? <sighs> 03. 03, okay. SummerSlam 03 commercial. Everybody go check that out. Throw it in your no. machine. Why do you hate people? Hey, if I had to live through it, they have to remember it too, all right? This next match was Ric Flair and Arn Anderson with Bobby Heenan, Woman, and Miss Elizabeth in their corner. They're taking on Kevin Green and Steve Mongo McMichael with Randy Savage, Deborah McMichael, and Tara Green all in their corner. This match went for 20 minutes, 51 seconds, lots and lots of time. When I saw the amount of time that was on this match and who was in it, I instantly got depressed. And I, it's like when you're going to the doctor's office and you know you have to have a shot. It's like, uh, just get it over with. But I thoroughly enjoyed this match. My first you. note, by the way, I'm going to say this. My first note was this was like 10 times better than I thought it would be. Oh, hell yeah. And and Kevin Green came out in a Panthers jacket and Panthers colored uh, trunks because he used to play for the Carolina Panthers. And then Mongo came out in a Bears jacket and Bears colored trunks because he played for the Bears, which, by the way, he never let us forget throughout his entire wrestling career. Yeah, this, this was fine. Uh, or, you know, their their outfits, whatever. Kevin Green, however, did go on to. um I forget the name of the promotion now, but uh, Wrestling with Regret, uh, he, he reviewed this this one promotion, the short-lived promotion that had Kevin Green in it for a while. And um, he came out, he wore a mask, but he still called himself Kevin Green. Like, why? I don't know. Just because. <laughs> and then he cut a, a, an amazing promo where he said, I don't care if you're a shoot fighter or a karate <laughs> yep. it was just like good stuff but anyway Green and McMichael come out to the most honky music I've ever heard just putting that out there 
There, there were a ton of shenanigans and interferences in this one. Halfway through the match, Woman and Miss Elizabeth chased Deborah and Tara to the back, not even intimidating them, just like walking behind them, and the two women ran for their lives. It was weird. In the end, uh, Deborah comes back out in a fancy ball gown with Liz and Woman carrying a silver suitcase. Mongo. Halliburton. Like, yeah. Mongo Gotta call down. Witness. He, he opens the, the briefcase up, and inside of it is a Four Horsemen t-shirt sitting on a stack of money. And he inspects the money, like holds it up to the light like it's counterfeit or something. Can uh, I just but, say, I thought that was a nice touch. Yeah, I thought that, I thought that was funny, but I'm like, really? Uh, yes, Deborah, because every other, every other time you see that in wrestling, they just take the briefcase. It could be Monopoly money for all you know. I thought that was masterful. Yeah, that is true. I, I will... Nice touch by Mongo, who was a rookie wrestler at this point, by the way. Uh, but Deborah begs Mongo to take the deal, take the money. So Kevin Green crawls over to his corner, and Mongo blasts him over the head with a briefcase, allowing Ric Flair to score the pinfall victory. Macho Man then jumps in into the ring and, and jumps on Flair. Mongo helps the horseman pull him off, and they beat him down before he puts on the horseman T-shirt. And now we have the era of Mongo in the Four Horsemen. Yeah. Yeah. Uncle Dave gave this three and a half stars. I as well gave it three and a half stars. What say you? I gave it three stars as well because I liked the twist ending, which at the time I didn't see coming. Yeah. That was, crazy. That was my favorite part. Because the like is- in, the, in the match, Mongo, like he is beating the hell out of both of them. So it's not like he's, you know, <laughs> setting up green. So. Right. I thought that yeah, was, it was a, a good touch. And they were in the ring with Arn Anderson and Ric Flair, two of the greatest of all time. So they left. Also, I gotta say, Kevin Green is not as bad as Mongo. I gotta say that. (laughs) Yeah, Mongo. There's actually a Twitter page that I've turned you on to that's, or a Twitter account that's set up. I can't remember what that is. I believe uh, Jim Cornette has a segment on YouTube about that. You gotta go watch it. It Because what do you think of the new (laughs) Twitter dedicated to Mongo? But yeah. that's fantastic. It's what will Mongo yeah. do next? I don't know the exact yeah. handle, but I know that's it. So, Yeah, that's what I was about to say. I don't remember the handle, but I remember the name. <sighs> the only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Enjoy. Thanks. The order breakfast at the McDonald's drive-thru. Tell yourself you'll wait to eat it at work, but it smells way too good. So you eat it right there in the McDonald's parking lot meal. There's a meal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, get any size iced coffee for 99 cents until 11 a.m. And pair it with your favorite breakfast sandwich or one of our tasty bakery treats. Price and participation may vary. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. McDonald's. I'm loving it. Uh, We finally get the infamous segment here where Eric Bischoff interviews Scott Hall and Kevin Ash on the stage. He says that they will wrestle at Bash the Beach against a three-man team representing WCW and... When Hall and Nash badger him about who the team is, Bischoff says, I'll tell you tomorrow night on Nitro. Hall gets mad, punches him in the gut, 
and then Kevin Nash jackknifes Bischoff off the stage through a huge table, and this brings the show to a screeching halt for a while. Like, Tony Schiavone even goes to check on him. This was... This was something, man. I... One note, I noticed, like, if flat-out Bischoff didn't use her name. Now, we know that, but, like, yeah. it's just funny. I, I never realized he says to the audience, you know who they are, you know, you know their names. And well, one he, thing I completely forgot is he flat asked him, do you work for the WWF? Right, yeah, because of, all the, because of all the lawsuits coming out where they insinuated that they were coming over from the WWF still on their payroll representing them. Yeah. That's why the... That's why he, he flat out asked him, do you work for the WWF? And Nash says, nope. And so, then Scott Hall says, forget about the past, Chico. I'm like, wow, that's. <laughs> and then he says car- he's going to carve them up. So they- yeah. Oh, man. So so this was a big thing. Bischoff was kind of established or getting established as, you know, a figurehead in WCW at this point. That's why this was a big moment. And that's why Bischoff always throws shade. He was like. Yeah, everybody always talks about when when Austin finally went after McMahon for the first time. Oh, he's attacking the boss. He was like, I did it first. Yeah, I mean, he, he technically did, but. Yeah. Well, the but to be fair, when he got more. when he got this power bomb and when Vince got the stunner and they had never flat out admitted on TV that this was the authority. It came out right. afterward. Yeah. In Vince's case, it was said like right after commercial. Like, uh, JR is like, he just stunned the owner of the company. How does he keep his job now? Like, that was that big reveal, so. Yeah. Well, I remember when people were like, Vince McMahon, you mean the commentator guy? Yeah, right. But yeah, so, uh, very famous segment. We know what's coming in one month from here at Bash of the Beach, 1996. Hulk Hogan would, uh, would, uh, throw out the red and yellow and don the black and white, brother. If and I was to ever give a segment a number, I would say this is a solid five because of what it sets up. It Hell is yeah. perfect. Yes. Yep. This was this was great, historic, and and also going back hilarious, to so. go yeah going back to the whole do you work for the WF thing at the time when they said no they could have been lying too we still don't you know what I mean right yeah. so like well, again no. it throws a wrench into it you don't. <laughs> You don't know what's going on. It's like that's another part of the reason you know, like I love that segment. Right. It's probably yeah. one of my top five favorite segments ever. It's one of the most memorable things in WCW history. That's for that's for sure. Especially power bombing. That looked like it. I realized he landed on a crash pad and whatever, and Bischoff said it didn't hurt whatsoever. But man, that looked call, like it for I call it free. BS, man. His head hit the second table, dude. <laughs> yeah, he, he looked like it folded him in half, man. Yeah. Because like, he didn't come flat on his back. He landed like shoulders and head. Well, he's also a proud oh. man, so he's not going to say it hurt if it did, too. Let's take that into account. Yeah, there's that. Uh, but the main event, man. I hate that, though, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, from a solid five to this. <laughs> This was a stinker, man. It's the giant defending the WCW title. He's got Jimmy Hart in his corner yet again, taking on Lex Luger. This only got nine minutes, 21 seconds, probably seven minutes too long. Luger comes. I did out like that Luger came out and checked on Bischoff before he came to the ring. That was. Yeah. It's a nice touch just to show, hey, I'm a good guy. By the way, Luger would be involved in the, ta- the, the six man tag at Bash of the Beach. So, 
they sell they they actually sell that three pack of him macho and sting all in the face paint my biggest regret not getting that yeah i did see it multiple times i didn't get it and i'll tell you why because i thought they were basics i didn't know so i'm kicking myself for that one for those that don't know greg is a figure snob he won't he won't buy basic figures i have a couple of basics if I know I'm not getting elites for a while, specifically Matt Riddle and Keith Lee. Uh, but Matt yeah. Riddle is getting an elite, by the way. But So I'll use them as placeholders. But I did right. not need elite of those three guys. Okay, or, uh, excuse me, I didn't need basics of those three guys because they all have elites. So. Right. Uh, at one point during the match, uh, Jimmy Hart goes to smack Lex Luger with his megaphone. But uh, Sting ran out and stopped him and then chased Hart to the back. In the end... Luger lays the giant across the top rope and attempts to get him up for the torture rack. The crowd goes nuts, but he collapses under the giant's weight, and the giant lands right on his head. The giant then just hits a giant choke slam for the one, two, three to retain the world's heavyweight title. Uncle Dave gave it one and one fourth star. I gave it one star. What say you? Solid one. Yeah. This was a. This blue. Yeah, and it was poorly placed. I know it's the world title, but for Pete's sake, especially with what just happened, why is this the main event? That should have closed the show. And I never, ever say that Mongo should close a show, but that's one time. (laughs) It did have more of an effect, I'll tell you that. Yeah, I, I just, I don't get it. The been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. Uh, final grades, 411 Mania gave the show a, an 8.5. Wrestling 20 Years gave it an 8.5. I gave it an 8. What say you? I Is went on a grading bad? system, so I said B-. minus. Okay, so that'd probably be 7.5, uh, 8. 8, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we're all... I don't think it was like an amazing night of wrestling, but a lot of good stuff happened to where it's like... All right, I don't hate this piece of crap. <laughs> yeah, it was it was it was a good show overall. There was some stuff that dragged, and oddly enough, the main event was blah. Um, that Tenta. Yeah, I'm a Luger fan, match. by the way. I try to find the good news matches, but this one was just horrible. Yeah, they had no good chemistry. It was boring. Um, the Fire and Ice Steiner's match was fine, uh, and then yeah, like I said, the the uh, Big Bubba and John Tenta match sucked. But other than that, there was some good stuff, some historic moments, uh, start of a few eras. So it was it was a good show overall in my opinion. Uh, we're just one month away, like I said, from Bash the Beach 1996, where the NWO was formed. Uh, as we close out here, I would like to thank uh, Wikipedia, Wrestling 20 Years, 411 Mania, and the Wrestling Observer Newsletter for all my news and notes on this episode. Next week, I will never uh, thank the uh, wrestling newsletter observer. So, sorry, well, ever. Well, I got my stuff, my news and notes from there, so I got to give them a shout out. Um, no matter what we feel about them, 
But I will say uh, next week I gave Greg a choice what he wanted to cover for our last show of June. I threw out some good options, I thought, and we decided on Vengeance 2005. Now, I know some of you that, you know, that doesn't pop right in your head are thinking, why Vengeance 2005? It's because the main event was Batista versus Triple H in a Hell in a Cell match for the world's heavyweight title. And I believe up until last year, WrestleMania, that was the last time they ever wrestled. Uh, I believe I, I, I believe you are at least in a at least in a high profile match, anyways. But and this one uh, that was when the you know the world title was on Raw, the WWE title was on SmackDown. This one actually made it onto the the uh, best of the WWE or the history of the WWE DVD box set, whatever. For some reason, John Cena versus uh, Chris Jericho versus Christian in a triple threat for the WWE title. Kurt Angle took on Shawn Michaels in a rematch from WrestleMania 21. Lots of good stuff on this show, man. Uh, Kane and Edge. So I think it was a return of Matt Hardy on the show, if I remember correctly. Or building up to it. Yeah. So that's that. It was a good show. I got to go back and rewatch it. I haven't watched it since 05. I remember marking out for Batista at the time. The theme was badass, too. It was uh, from Mudvayne. I'll have to go back and listen. uh, Uh, What's the name of that song? I'm I'm forgetting the name of the song, but I know the song. It's so badass. I have it right here. Hold on. Happy. It's called Happy. Oh, yeah. I I love that song. It's one of my favorites by them. But, yeah. Yeah, So, uh, all all in all, it was a good show. So, we we want to review a kind of obscure one. Uh, I mean, it's some somewhat obscure because it's not one of the big, big ones that you always hear about. So that's next week, and uh, we are officially on iTunes, Spotify, Deezer, Podchaser, and Spreaker, and hopefully more by the time all this drops. So go check us out and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at main event underscore marks. Thanks for joining me again today, Greg. Mm-hmm. And we'll see you all next week later on. The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 